0: Asian boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. We're back for another week. And, uh, Scott, we had quite a doozy. It was. Fight of the year. I guess for some people it was, a, it was in the morning. Some people it was at breakfast. Some people it was at noon. For some people it was at night. Whenever you saw it, you were lucky enough to watch it. It was in Saitama. The drama in Saitama. Naoya Inoue picking up a victory. A slim decision over Nonito Donaire. what do you think of it, Scott?
1: This fight was amazing. From round one to round 12, there's drama, there's excitement, there's skills from both. Yeah, it's one of those fights that you wait months for. You can't go, I'm excited because of one guy. I know it's going to be an easy win, but I'm excited to see that one guy in action. And we then just see 12 rounds of brilliance from both guys. I thought Dana was a clear loser, to be quite frank. I don't know what Robert Hall was watching, but it was fantastic. Dene showed his toughness, landed his right hand, his right hand to not be a, almost as point as a left hook, and what a great, great fight.
0: 114, 113, little close. I was more on the 116, 111 train, but it tested both guys, and we knew that. Donaire was going to be tested because of the power of Inoue. But you and I both said, and I'm going to admit it, I was wrong. I had a stoppage in the sixth. And I think both of us thought, uh, this is going to be a changing of the guards. We're going to see the young lion take down the old man. that wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, I think still saw a changing of the guard. I think we still saw the youngster do what he had to do. But yeah, it was a really, really good test. I think the belt actually answered a lot more questions or in New air than we could have possibly dreamed of. We found out he was a guzzy. We found out he could
0: take a shot. We found out he could fight through adversity. I think that's a hell of a better
1: than taking out Dunair early
0: on. I agree. I agree. Because if he had just gone through him in a couple of rounds, we would have kept thinking the same thing. But we also still would have had those questions Does he have a chin? Uh, Is he able to fight through adversity? In this fight, he adjusted, he was cut, he broke his his orbital bone. I mean, there were so many things that went against him. It it was early when he broke that bone and and had that cut. So it wasn't like he had dominated and all of a sudden had some adversity. No, this was from round two where he had to struggle seeing Donaire in double and he fought through it and he came out with the victory, I was truly impressed.
1: I was really impressed by everything apart from the officiating. Again, we mentioned Robert Hall scorecard. Not sure what he's watching, but any um, any sheriff perhaps should look into how long 10 seconds is as well.
0: How about the body slam? I mean, he came in there out of nowhere, and no way hurts Donaire with the liver shot with his left, and then all of a sudden, boom, body slam as Inoue was trying to finish off Donaire. Ah, that was suspect. I mean, what, what was he thinking there? That was
1: suspect. And then the very slow count as well, letting Donaire up at 10.3. Yeah.
0: yeah. like 9 and a half. Nine and three quarters. I think
1: Shuri's decision actually turned not to be really good. I know we shouldn't be awarding referees points for mistakes, but I think that led to one of the great rounds of the year. Um, so a happy accident by Mr. Sharif.
0: Yeah, because in that eleventh, then Donaire just rocks Inouye as Inouye was going in for the kill with a hook, and you're right, probably round of the year after that. But still, I, I in real time, I was like, what is he doing? I mean, he just he almost knocked Inoue out with that body slam, stopping him from going for the knockout against Donaire. <laughs>
1: terrible, terrible rush. I don't really want to see him again, but. At least nothing was, no result ended up going the wrong way because of him.
0: But I'm terrible. We were rewarded as boxing fans. And it, it seems that the World Boxing Super Series, for all the problems that it's had financially, um, just delayed announcements, it has delivered, especially in their championship fights. This year, we got to see two unifications, and both were great.
1: Yeah, we can't ask for much more as fans. Yeah, sort of the scheduling. Um, sort saw of what you're actually doing. But the fights themselves are delivered. And I think we say this every time we talk about it. Tournament boxing is great. Let's have more tournament boxing, please.
0: Say we have a third season for the World Boxing Super Series. Which weight classes would you like to see?
1: Um, light flyweight is the obvious choice. There's so much talent at 108 that... It would make for great fights. It's an easy one to schedule. Walk it all in Japan or, you know, Mexico. Even split it for for Latin Americans, for Asians. Let them battle in their own little mini tournaments and then put them together at the end. Easier to schedule that way. I think Super Featherweight could be interesting if you can get the guys to actually sign up. It's an awkward division, but there's a lot of talent there. As long as you stop you know having their fights on Twitter and Facebook, 130 be fantastic. The other division's a bit of a hard one to pick. i like to see like heavyweight. I think anyone would like to see like heavyweight one. I think the talent's there for it, but again, politics and boxing.
0: So you're saying Canelo's not going to fight better beat because that's what I want to see.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could have Canelo, but to You could have Wojcik boxing back against Bivol. You could have Calm Smith or uh, Benavidez moving up in weight. It's an interesting weight class, just Let's start having the fights more often. Um Fodric versus Viterbio was brilliant. Let's have more of that level fight, please. Not old men and uh, mismatches and no more can squashing by a certain British fighter.
0: There were a couple other fights on this card. Uh, we got to see the brother of Naoya Inoue, Takuma, against Nordin Ebali, And. Obali was just too strong and Inoue boxed well. I think he really showed a lot of heart especially after being floored early in that fight, but Obali just looked like a man and Inoue looked like a boy.
1: Yeah, Obali seemed to be a clear winner for the first eight rounds then his stamina seemed to bar a little bit and it allowed Inoue back into it, but yeah, Obali was too strong and too tough until round 12. I thought he was in real trouble in round 12, Again, I don't want to go about the judging this card. The card was brilliant, but Alessandro
0: rocking. Oh, was he high? Was
1: he blind? I really don't know what he's
0: watching. High or blind, maybe both at the same time. There was one other fight of note, and actually, on the zone, we were able to watch this, which I, I was a little surprised um, with uh, their decision. But we got to see a young prospect blossom in front of our eyes.
1: Shokichi Iwata be Alejandro Cruz Valdares. I still don't know why BoxRec actually got this mistake on here. Um, last week after the podcast finished, me and you were talking about the guy Iwata was fighting, and boxrek had him listed as the wrong guy with the right name. And if you look at the guy they've listed, he lost th- if it's the right guy, and we know it's not, he lost 30 pounds in three months.
0: Yeah, wasn't he like a super middleweight?
1: Light welterweight dropping down to fight a light flyweight. The guy he actually fought had a five and one record. He's very talented. It's not the nine and thirty and one uh, guy that Iwata's listed down as fighting.
0: That was a fire fight though. Both guys had strong shins, and both guys were just winging it. It was it was a really fun
1: fight. The difference was Iwata's power. Um, Cruz had very little real power in his punches and Iwata was willing to take the risk to try and take him out. It's interesting that this belt was broadcast in the U.S. It still hasn't been shown in Japan, which is just bizarre. Um, Iwata could be a potential star, and he should be a mob airtime in Japan. Real disappointment.
0: Speaking about the broadcasting in Japan, what were the numbers like for Inoue? We know he's a star, but this was one of those fights that you, know, you have two of... The Asian legends. One Asian legend that um is gonna be a Hall of Famer and one hopefully future Hall of Famer. What were the numbers like?
1: We've only managed to get numbers from the Cantor region, but they were they were pretty impressive. Um Yeah, they were well, it's just I just they were pretty impressive, all right? You know it was multi million view of ship. It was 15.2 percent in Kanto on average and 20.5 so it brings the average to around six and a half million with a peak of just underneath nine million from one region in japan
0: that's incredible and this is why you show the fight in japan i mean i saw all these people like oh you should have been fighting in america or england or wherever he you know this you have a superstar in japan this is why he's fighting in his home country he's gonna get huge numbers and i know for us spoiled americans over here we were all complaining about the time but uh yeah show your superstar where he lives where the people want to see him
1: it's really weird to see lou de bella actually suggest the fight should be in the u.s or should set for u.s times It's like lou you can't sell your own shows when you can sell your own shows when you can get tv audiences interested in your your content then feel free to you know have we got the guy who's got eight and a half million people watching him? Have we got the guy who's trending around the world at two o'clock in the morning? Um, in Japan, Inuwa is trending number one. Boxing was trending number two. In the UK, Inua Danair is trending at number four. In the US, at what was it like six o'clock over there? The Inua Danair hashtag was trending at something like number ten. In a Lou um, Lou, when your shows start trending world worldwide. That criticizing people for their shows, but at the moment, that sort of crops over a lot of anything we've developed in years in terms of fan attention, viewership, attendance.
0: It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Asianboxing.info. Now, before we leave Saitama, now you know yeah. after winning the belts and the Muhammad Ali trophy, which uh, he had at first trouble carrying... I thought, it was, I thought it was extremely funny that he uh, waved off the WBC diamond belt. I don't know if you saw that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm only here for world titles.
0: Yeah, he was like, ah, I don't want that. I'm, I'm with fighting Harada in the ring. I'm with a legend. I don't take the WBC diamond belt. He signed with top rank, Bob Arum and top rank to a multi-year deal. What do you think of the signing?
1: If there's a clause in the contract like his current or Ohashi one, it's fantastic. Um, the No Easy Fights clause, or the Give Me Tough Competition, Please clause, um, yeah, that's perfect. If it turns out that Aram is going to do what he did to Ankars, then it's possibly the worst contract in boxing. You've got a kid there who wants to fight the best, he wants to preview the best. If a promoter tries to stop that, then yeah, that's, just, that's just bad for boxing, I'm afraid. Hopefully hopefully Aram will let Mr. Ahashi continue to guide anywhere and continue to face a good competition. Yeah, he's gonna take damage. Yeah, his career isn't gonna be incredibly long, but who cares about a guy fighting forty times and only fighting three solid competition uh, three solid opponents? Let him fight good competition and we'll be we'll be all be alright with that one.
0: His exposure in the United States is going to blow up if he is On top rank on ESPN. So for someone like me in the United States, I'm excited for it because now we're going to get to see him uh, on the biggest sports network in at least in our region. But you're right. If Aram says we're going to give you the easy treatment, I'm not a fan of that. Now, I will say if he gives him something like what Lomachenko has gotten, then I'd be fine with that because I think he's challenged Lomachenko uh, with his time at top rank, with some of the best of the best. I hope we see that.
1: That's what we're going to hope for. we have got to hope that Inua has the same mentality that he's shown so far. Hopefully he does oh, I made it now. Well, let's have easy ones. If he shows the same desire, then... And I think he's actually going to be very much in control of his own career. And I think it's going to be a case of Aaron promoting him, Inua managing himself, and, well, with the help of Mr. Ahashi. If that continues... No, I, no, no real negative statement. It, we just complete final arm just going forward.
0: When I think at the band weight level, there are guys that you can line up and say, eh, go, go at him. Obali, Tete. There are guys there where fights can be made. I know the Neri fight is what everyone wants. That's the only one I'm a little wary of because he is a PBC fighter, but I hope that can be made too.
1: Even then, you got guys like Casamero. You got Jesse Maloney. You got uh, Inoue's mandatory with the IBF. Michael Dasmarinas, Carlos Codras. There's a lot of competition. That even even a rematch with um, Danair, yeah, why not?
0: And then possibly, I know they want to move him up, and at 122, possibly the best fighter at that weight class, Emmanuel Navarrete is a top-ranked kid. That would be a nice little bout uh, for in no ways in introduction to 122.
1: It would. Um, you wouldn't have on Navarro to commit the weight. Then again, you said the same about Ray Vargas there, but there's a lot of competition at 122. Two. Would he be willing to cross the street for Daniel Roman, or would Roman be willing to cross the street for him? And I I kind of want to see a take on Isaac Dugbar. I think that'd be a really interesting fight. <laughs> and both are top ranked fighters, so
0: yeah. Let me have that one, please. So a lot of possibilities for Inoue with top rank. I, I think it's going to be very beneficial. He's already a huge star in Japan. I've, I believe he is getting bigger and bigger outside of Japan, as we saw after the Nonaire fight. And uh, with that top rank signing, his stock, whoo, it's on the way up. Uh, it's Asianboxing.info, the Asian boxing podcast. Remember Go to asianboxing.info for all your different news, videos, this podcast, anything you want relating to Asian boxing. It is on that site. Scott works very, very hard to give you all the content that you want. A couple days after the fight in Saitama, there was a fight in Tokyo and we got to see Taiki Minamoto head up a card. Taking on Takuya Watanabe for the Japanese Super Featherweight title eliminator bout.
1: Yeah, the winner of this will get a title. I was gonna get a title shot next year at the Champion Carnival. And Minamoto, former Japanese featherweight champion, big punch very exciting fighter. This was up against Takuya Watanabe, actually annoying your newest sparring partner. And Boy, did they ever beat the living snarl of each other. This was eight rounds of pure, unadulterated violence. It lacked, perhaps, the technical aspect of Inoue versus Denae, but this was just brutal. Um, Watanabe's pressure, toughness, one out in the end against Minamoto. Um, yeah, this is this is one of those fights that Boxing Race was made to show, and uh, watching it live, amazing. Easily one of the best fights in the Japanese ring this year. And it came just days after the Inoue-Dunar fight.
0: What's next for both these guys?
1: Watanabe will be getting a shot at the Japanese title next year. I suspect Minimo may look to advance onto like a WBO Asia-Pacific title fight or look a different route to a title um, at £130. Pounds. There's a competition there, but there's also a lot of really good regional fighters there. Um, You know, guys like Kenichi Ogawa, Jota Noyone, Masaru Usoyoshi, Masayuki Ito. Lots of competition, lots of good fights can be made at 130 in Japan.
0: Now also on this card, the God's Left Bantam Weight Tournament. The semifinals were on this card.
1: (laughs) Oh, this was a complete mess. We were supposed to see two um, semifinals, but one was cancelled the day before when Kenya Yamashita ultimate wait for a bout against uh, Sia Tsutsumi, which left us with one semi-final. Kazuki Nakajima versus Jin Minamida. on paper, this looked great. This looked like a fight that could end at any minute, and it kind of did. Um, the first 45 seconds, they fell each other out, then they got unloading on each other, and Nakajima's crisp counters were just too much for Minamida in. Uh, a two and a half minute slug out this was a shootout that we'd expected it was fantastic to watch so much fun to watch two sluggers go at it
0: tournaments are good when you have your combatants make weight yeah more tournament boxing please but
1: can we have professionals um yeah it's a shame it's a real shame yamashita versus tsutsumi should have been something very exciting it should have been inside war attrition, and
0: it just yeah it fell apart so we have that card on the ninth, and then in Australia. We had a card. Australia, we had a card with a brutal knockout.
1: Luke Boyd sent John John Jet to the NetherRealm in just 37 seconds. For fancy just like knockouts, this one's one that you've gotta go and see it is uh, This is up there with the real top top knockouts from the from the entire twenty twenty. It was brutal. A battle of unbeaten punches and Jet was just... I'm glad you got up in the end. Um, It was nasty. It was
0: one of those that needs to be seen. Yeah, there's those hidden knockouts that uh, you have to scour the web for. But luckily, if you go to Asianboxing.info, you're going to be able to see a lot of these brutal knockouts.
1: It's what we do. There's another one, another really good knockout in Germany, where Zankosabutsky knocked out Argon Simitsky in a... Heavyweight Clash in Germany. That's another one well worth watching. Kasabutsky's a Kazakh heavyweight. um, And Smitski was apparently Universum's big hope. So, bye-bye Universum again.
0: And then this week, uh, in Indonesia, we have an interesting-looking card. Daud Yordan is actually heading this one up. It's for the WBO Oriental Light welterweight title.
1: Daud Yordan, I think any boxing fan... Knows uh, who Dowd Yodan is. He's he's massively underrated. He's been a great action fighter, a great servant to Indonesian boxing. He should be able to overcome Michael in, Um in a bout for yeah the WBR Oriental title, the IBA, whatever the IBA is, world title. Yodan um, has just been exciting. Yordan's fantastic, and it's a shame now that he's. He's a bit long in the tooth, even though he's only 32, he's, he's a bit past it. It's hard to believe he's only six months younger the night am, <laughs> more than I am, but yeah, he's it's, um, well past his best. The more interesting part on that card is Ongen Saknausiwi versus Marco Demisilo. Ongen is seen as the rising first of Indonesian boxing. He's unbeaten, he's exciting, he's a big puncher, and this is a huge test.
0: So you have a lot to watch here this uh, upcoming week. You can go back and watch the old fights. And then the Indonesia card, you can watch that. A lot uh, going on in the world of Asian boxing. And we also have some news. Actually, a lot of news. Uh, Scott, what do you have for us? Some news. Actually, a lot of news. Uh, Scott, what do you have for us?
1: Oh, where do we start this week? Well, let's start with Ryusuke Iwasa, who finally, finally after several weeks of it being pretty open secret, has had his bout with Marlon Tapalas announced for December 7th at the Barclays Center in New York for the IBF interim super bantamweight title. Um, none of those like interim titles, but this one actually makes sense given Daniel Roman has been injured for a while and Roman has a WBA mandatory at the same time, so no argument. and Tepalos versus Saiwatha has the ingredients to be a very, very special fight. It's two very talented guys, very different styles, very heavy-handed. Um, Tepalos has one of the most misleading KR ratios in the sport. That could be a very special, exciting, explosive contest. There's also heavyweight news. Yay, heavyweight news. We don't get to talk about heavyweights very often. Um, the unbeaten Daniel Dubois, the rising star of English heavyweight boxing, the next Anthony Joshua, well, hopefully better than Anthony Joshua, but is taking on Kaiotaro Fujimoto, the former Japanese heavyweight champion. Yes. I think we can also disagree a massacre.
0: What? Are you? You don't have any faith in Fujimoto? Fujimoto is about to shock the world. Not sure how, but
1: yeah. Uh Fujimoto completely lost me as a fan in the last couple of years. His competition since uh, his competition in general has been terrible. He's talked the talk, and now he's gonna have to walk the walk and I think I think it's gonna end very, very quickly and very brutally.
0: It's interesting because Dubois has been kind of put in with some tough competition. And all of a sudden, Fujimoto. It's kind of a head-scratcher.
1: Fujimoto has a couple of world rankings. Um, I think that's probably what it's about. But it's... It's... Um, going to be a hard one to explain why Fujimoto managed to get in the world rankings and why Frank Warren has decided to match his rising star against somebody who struggled with Nobuhiro Ishia twice.
0: I think it's his hair. Everyone loves Fujimoto's hair, and he looks like a fighter, so why not?
1: It must be something. Thankfully, we have got some genuinely exciting news. Um, one of the people I speak to quite a lot has informed me that Japanese super prospect Yudai Shigeoka will be facing OPBF Minnowweight Champion Alito Dante on December 10th in a non-title bout. This will be Shigioka's second professional bout. He debuted the end of October. He's um, got a really easy win over a, a Thai opponent. So, yeah, this is like leaping out of the kiddie swimming pool into a shack infested pit. But he's got the talent. It's whether or not he's got the, the mental capability to hang the whole uh, Dante's pressure. Dante is as tough as he can. He beat down Superfascicora and Owara this year. And he could be too much for Shigyok at this point. Or. Shigeoka is a star in the making. He's going to have a
0: rocket structure. His back after winning. The real question is, when are you, Dai, and Jinjiro going to fight? We want to see them fight like the Yaguchi brothers, don't we? The Yaguchi
1: brothers shouldn't be alone in their one-off fight. We need to see brothers fighting more often. If Takuma and you had won it the, last week, we would have wanted to see that fight.
0: We would have. I would have loved—ah, maybe not. That might actually be a little dangerous for Takuma. <laughs> Yeah, there's
1: so many brothers and sisters as well making their way through the ranks. Even this coming uh, weekend, we actually see a card with a brother and a sister on it. Iruku Hiromoto defends her title, her RPPF title. And on the same card, her brother's fighting. So it's kind of like family affairs all over Japan at the moment.
0: So just fighting in the family business. That's what uh, Japanese fighters are doing right now. Keeping it in the family.
1: There's so many, of them. like legitimately, the big brothers and sisters out there that you don't know are fighting. Um, there's the obvious ones like the Hosakawa brothers, uh, the Inuya brothers, and then you have Yasabuchi Yabuki, Yumi- uh, and Oh, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but yeah, his brother doesn't even have the same name as him. Uh, there's so many families
0: now breaking through the ranks in Japan. The Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin, and uh, boy, the end of the year is going to end with a bang. So be prepared, and keep listening to the podcast. We will talk to you next week.